0: Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire
1: Centers. Doing the right thing since nineteen fifty-two. Fire up for pro football.
0: That's what we call a sack lunch. Mm. No, 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 no. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad.
2: I wouldn't care. We play
0: some
2: competitive sports once in a while. Wouldn't. It? Oh, would that make you love me?
0: Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Hour 2 of 2 here on Football Sunday. Mike Lynch, Rashad Taylor with you. Better you today. Text lines 55305.
1: Thanks for texting so far. I love baseball because... I thought you hated baseball. Well, I love it because that guy can be in the game and make make a a world of difference. Mr. Lance Lynn. Mm. And he has a, a WWE type name. Lance yeah. Lynn, you're talking about his his hot dad bod going man, on. Man, right I there. love it, man! Like baseball is the only sport through where you can really have the dad bod and it, it'd be all good. You know, football, yeah, but those guys, those offensive linemen and defensive linemen, man, those guys are are yoked. Like they're they might be kind of big, but some of those dudes you couldn't even tell they play offensive defense. I body. miss Vince Wilfork. Mm-hmm. Man, you know he was the the, the last of the true pioneers, man.
0: <laughs> last of the true fat guys, man. Have
1: you 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 watched, have you watched Hard Knocks and What's the the, the, the offensive O-line line coach? coach?
0: I don't remember his name. I love the little montage they made, but every time he says, no, his, his belly moves it's in perfect use, unison. It moves in
1: perfect unison. It's so crazy. It's like the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. So the weirdest
0: trade I think I've ever seen took place yesterday in the NFL. The Oakland Raiders, for some reason, traded... The second best or best, depending on who you ask, defensive player in the league, probably second best in my opinion. The first player ever to win first team all pro at two different positions in the same year, in the same year to because they just didn't come to an agreement on a contract instead of just finding out a way to pay him. The, you know, one of the best defensive players of all t- of or not of all time, currently in the NFL right now. They, they traded him to the Chicago Bears, who then signed him to a six-year $141 million extension, which beats the record just set the day before by the Rams signing Aaron Donald. They gave up a couple of first-round picks, as well as a third-round pick and a sixth-round pick, the Bears did. The Raiders also gave up a second-round pick and a fifth-round pick. So the the Raiders gave up Khalil Mack, second-round pick, fifth-round pick, for first-first, third-sixth. That's a big haul. A couple of first-round picks for sure. Um, But to me, trading Khalil Mack, I don't care what you got, is moronic. It really is. He is that big of an impact player on defense for a team that really isn't bad. A team that was so close just two years ago to being a Super Bowl contender. They go get John Gruden for 10 bajillion dollars. And all of a sudden things feel different. It feels like the Raiders are trying to tank. It's a team that has a good young quarterback, had the second best defensive player in the NFL, who they drafted out of Buffalo, mind you, and made a good pick doing so in the top five. Didn't he go third overall, Khalil Mack, third or fourth? I forget exactly where he got drafted.
1: I uh, can't really remember.
0: Um, Take a look. You have you, you went and got Martavis Bryant, who you cut, and I know he's a, he's kind of a problem child receiver, but he's a good receiver. I I don't know what John Gruden and the Ra- and the Raiders are doing. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it was he it went, blows my
1: mind that they traded Khalil. It blows my mind. He was the fifth overall pick, fifth pick. to Oakland. Um, again, you you said the dumbest trade. I I would tend to agree with that. Like, here's a guy, the first, and you said not, you know, one of the best defensive players ever, which could be debatable. Not ever. But There's but currently. but but hey, but when you start, when you look back and you look at that all pro, all pro and Pro Bowl are two different things. I think people should be really, really, um, we should be upfront about that and be really clear about what it means. Pro Bowl means that you were selected as one of the fifty-something people from the AFC or the NFC to compete. In the game now, there's a whole draft, and so it's not even really, really. If you're a Pro Bowler, or not. I don't know how they do it, but that means you were an All Star, an All Star, an all-star. man. All Pro means that you were selected as one of the 11 guys, offensive and defensive, to represent the NFL for the year. You were one of the best 11 players at the position. And here's a dude that got nominated, got, you know, nominated for two different positions, and got it. Khalil Mack is probably the best defensive player in the league. I think it's easy to say Aaron Donald because Aaron Donald has so much additional help around him to where you can't double team him. You know what I mean? You, there's, there's nothing you can do about that. If you double team him, you're leaving. Now you're going to leave him, Dominick and Sue wide open to kind of do his thing. So that's something you're not going to be able to do. Khalil Mack was play, facing double teams. Most of the season and still was able to come away with 10 and a half sacks. The Raiders, the one thing they need is help on defense. That's been their biggest issue is the fact that they can't stop anyone. And, Then you let go of your best defensive player. You trade him to the Bears for essentially nothing this year. And then you let go of Martavis Bryant again. Problem child, whatever the case is. But you just lost Michael Crabtree. And now you have zero depth at the receiver position. Because now you have um, Amari Cooper, who I found out last year, has a little bit of issue with dropsies and can't hold on to the ball. So what exactly (laughs) are you doing? This is Mark Davis, and this is... uh, Their their new head coach, the, uh, the two dumbest haircuts in the National Football League, quite possibly, getting together and making dumb decisions together. I hope Khalil Mack makes him pay for it every single time they play the Bears. And shout out to Khalil Mack for finally getting his money because somebody else was smart enough to say, yeah, we're not letting you leave. I just, someone texted in and said, nobody is worth the King's
0: ransom that Chicago paid. You've seen, first of all, you've seen bigger Kings ransoms for higher draft picks go before for teams trading up into the draft. You've seen bigger ransoms of what the bears paid, but it's not every day that the second or best uh, second best or best defensive player walks into your hands. It's not every day that not only is that player, one of the best defensive players in the league right now, he's also never hurt. He's also a captain in the locker room. He's also apparently one of the best clubhouse locker room guys out there. Oh, and your
1: quarterback absolutely loves him. Did you see his tweet as soon as it went out? Yep. Come on,
0: man. So, Derek Carr, you're talking about. Yes, absolutely. You're you're not just getting a great player. You're getting, by all accounts, a great person who is a difference maker in the locker room at changing cultures. It's the all-around defensive player that you're getting who is at the top of his game. You do not trade that guy. You don't, especially when you're a team that, in my opinion, was a good team that can be a winning team. And it goes all back to the question of why on earth is John Gruden and the Raiders front office doing what they're doing right now? Maybe we're seeing something wrong. Maybe there's something going on that we're missing because it doesn't make sense for me to have them blow up the team at this point. Or, or start blowing up the team at this point. And you have a third year young quarterback who, in his first year, was
1: awesome. And you
0: would or think, is he third or fourth. I think year it's, I
1: think this is Derek Carr's fourth year. But you would think with a team that's about to move to a whole different state and city, some a, a city that has no real culture as far as professional sports are concerned, you would want to put the best product on the field that you could. Ooh, it's his fifth year already. What? The fifth year? Wow. Jeez. Where, where did the So they came in together, which is why he and Khalil Mack are probably so close because they were both drafted uh, five years ago together. But you would think in moving to Las Vegas, which is lights, camera, action, that you would want to put the best product on the field as possible. And somebody like Khalil Mack, who's an all-pro at two positions, like that sells you tickets. And and mind you, they're going to sell tickets anyway. But to those fans that actually live in Las Vegas and are going to be season ticket holders – Man, that's a big deal. And then you lose Martavis Bryant. That's a big deal. And I really think that Mark Davis and uh, – why can't I say this man's name? John Gruden. <laughs> John Gruden. Jeez Louise. John Gruden and Mark Davis, Lloyd Christmas himself, they are – I think they're shooting themselves in the foot right now, honestly. A couple of texts
0: in the Better You Today text line. Does this feel at all like Chip coming into Philly some years back? Clean house, try to make a statement, get fired a couple years later. I can see it now. Uh, certainly could be, although Mark Davis is different than uh, Jeff Lurie was at in uh, Philadelphia. He is someone who I think apparently loves John Gruden and they have the same haircut. So there's a little connection exact there. same
1: same barber, which is awful.
0: But I, I you gave him a 10 year deal. You're not firing him in a couple of years. This is John Gruden trying to make a statement. I do wonder if John Gruden, he's been removed from the game from so for so long that some things have changed, and he doesn't like that, and he wants to do what he did when he was with the Bucks and the Raiders back in the day, back in the day, like early 2000s, and by doing this, he's trying to, to put that foot down. Maybe, I don't know. This text says, I'm curious how much that trade affected the over-under on wins for the Chicago Bears in the Super Bowl lots. I don't have the numbers, but I saw a, a headline that said they drastically changed. The Bears went from uh, also ran to being a middle-of-the-pack to high-middle-of-the-pack team instantly just by getting Khalil Mack. That's how much of an impact that kind of a player has. This text says best defensive player in the NFL is JJ Watt healthy. What was the difference in record with and without Watt uh, build roster depth across the board? Not one guy. They only won um, four games last year. JJ Watt is no longer even healthy as good as he used to be. So the answer is that would have been the answer three years ago, but JJ Watt is no longer the same. He he's had too many serious injuries to be the same defensive player. Apologies if you're a Texans fan. I don't
1: I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that all the way. I look you know? at JJ Watt the way I look at Gronk. We continue to say Gronk is going to be able to do this and that's going to be the last year and after the wrist, after the arm surgery and after the couple back surgeries and just he just keeps chipping away. You know, year by year he just continues to be the best. I kind of look at JJ Watt as a guy that played with a back injury, a back injury. If you've ever had a back spasm, you know how how hurt how much it hurts just to turn left or right. You know just to turn your head. So for this guy to play with an injured back, I think J.J. Watt is still among the best defensive players. If you're top three, top four, I think it's debatable.
0: This, t- uh, but I, I just think he's not going to be the same again. Defensive players when they're that elite and they get hurt multiple times like he did, uh, it it just takes an edge off. And he's still great. He's just not the best. I think Aaron Donald is the best. And I think Khalil Mack is the second best. That's my own personal opinion on it. But uh, this one goes, LOL, not worth a King's ransom. Come on, man. You bet your ass he is. Mack makes me want to watch the Bears. Yeah, I agree with that one. I think he is worth a King's ransom. He is that good of a player. He is that high of an impact player. So I don't know what the Raiders are doing. I don't know what John Gruden is doing. It doesn't make any sense to me, but it happened. We were seeing all the reports. Ah, they're just trade rumors. Nothing's going to happen. And then bam, he's gone.
1: If you still listen to reports, then I'm sorry, you probably believe strippers like you too because the reports are nothing but lies most of the time. All they say, no, we're not going to trade him. We're good, working things out, and then he got traded. So uh, the Raiders are in full rebuild mode, and if you're Derek Carr, uh, I'm not sure when his contract expires, but this isn't somewhere that I feel like I want to be. They already re-signed him to a big one. He's already in year five.
0: He's already in his second contract, I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm So he's around know. for a bit. Yeah, I don't I don't know if this is where we want to be Well, place. he might want to live in Vegas though. so You never know. Stick around, live in Vegas? He might. We'll see. I know Jimmy G wouldn't mind living in Vegas.
0: <laughs> don't worry, he's got LA and San Francisco covered. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, coming up next, let's talk about the rest of the Pac-12 from uh, college football slate yesterday. This is Football Sunday on the Fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 1018 here on your Sunday morning. We are now Football Sunday from today through the rest of the football season. Next week that means that fo- uh wow. Football is back next week. Yes, it was back this week. Is
1: David Wells playing again in baseball. That's
0: that's Lance Lannis. That's the same <laughs> guy you're talking about.
1: Roll from here, he looks like David Wells.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um we will have Fantasy Scramble returning next week at 10 at 9 30. We will also have West Coast Bias returning next week. Probably at 10 15. I think that's when we moved it to last year. And then Love Lovett, of course, at 10 30 every single week as well. And at the end of the show today, I want to give you guys kind of the lay of the land of how our schedule is going to work once the Seahawks schedule starts. It kind of fluctuates. Mm. We have a couple of days where we don't have shows. We have a couple of shows, 8 to 9.30. We have a couple of 9, nine to 11s. It's all over the place. So I'll give you guys a lay of the land of that um, and kind of get you get you started for when we're going to be on the next couple of weeks once the Seahawks season starts. So that'll be good. Uh, Coming up the rest of the football season, lots. If you got fantasy questions, I feel like we do a really good job of helping you guys out. If you have start sick questions every week, uh you text them into the Better You Today text line throughout the show. We get to as many as we can from 9 30 to 10 and just try to help you as much as we can because uh, it's an important time to make
1: those final decisions on your team. Yeah, you absolutely want to get that in, especially before that that 10 o'clock hits, because if you're if your stuff locks up. And you're not able to put anybody in, mm-hmm. you're 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 going to be you know S O L. So make sure you get stuff into us, Texas, us before the show. You know, we'll see them. you today, text line. Yeah, absolutely, we'll see them. So make sure we you get those into us. Want to make sure you we you help us uh, help you become more like us, champions. That's what <laughs> we want to do for you. You know, we want to mold you guys like little pieces of clay into championship clay. Well,
0: all three of us have won fantasy championships in the last couple of years. Yes, we have, and uh, this is the, this is the people show. This is Championship Sunday. Just so we're clear, that's what we do. I mean, when you say people show and then say that we're all champions and you need to be better, it's not
1: really the people show. <laughs> well, I the, mean, we're well, better than you the, show. The, the, <laughs> it means the people that are champions. You know who you are.
0: No, if you're listening right we now, want to be, we want if, to help everybody
1: become champions. That means we're the people show. Well, if you're listening now, that means you're already winning. So <laughs> that's good. So, yeah, you will be a part of the champions club, too.
0: So let's get into the rest of the Pac-12 from this weekend. Um, just we'll, we'll, we'll briefly go over the games that happened that we expected to happen. Utah, despite losing 10-0 earlier, Weaver State blew them out 41-10. to Colorado blew out Colorado State 45-13. They always struggle in that game, so that was pretty good. Uh, you had Washington State blowout out Wyoming 41-19. And did you see, they're calling it the banana formation. Did you see what they did a couple of times? I didn't. Did you see it, Jesse? The banana formation? I did not. So they lined up literally everybody on the far left sideline, and they put one player, a wide receiver, at the ball – at the hash mark, and he snapped it diagonally to the quarterback who was in the left at the left sideline or the running back. It was almost like direct snaps to different guys, and he did it from the middle of the field to the corner of the field. It's crazy. It's huh. Mike Leach for you. but Wow. Did it work? I mean, the two plays I saw were like four- or five-yard rushes, so, I mean, it worked a little bit. I think it was more like Wyoming was going, what is happening? Why are we all over here? I think what they were trying to do was – shorten the field, make it so that everyone's jammed into one space and maybe there's a whole wide open space. It didn't work that way necessarily. Remember but. the time
1: the Colts tried that weird formation against the Patriots on like what was like Monday night football or, or Thursday night football or something stupid, and they line everyone up to the right and just left like a center and a quarterback there to, to hike the ball. And, yeah, I do remember that and actually. And then the quarterback ended up getting sacked because I don't think they worked on that play. Well, maybe yeah. that's what they were trying to do. Maybe, maybe they were going banana formation.
0: I saw, I saw it on uh, on Twitter this morning. I think it was called the banana formation, or at least that's what the Twitter, the tweet was calling it. So go check that out if you missed it. It was pretty funny. Cal beat North Carolina again, 24-17. Justin Wilcox, baby, he is he's doing a good job down there. Love the Wilcox family. Very happy for Justin and getting a good win over a ACC team first week. That's pretty good for Cal right there. You've got Arizona State blowing out UTSA forty nine to seven. And uh, surprisingly, Arizona loses to BYU, 28-3. That was a surprise. Is it? Yeah, BYU's not good, and Khalil Tate's the quarterback at Arizona. So uh,
1: Okay. I and mean, Kevin
0: Sumlin's the coach there, too, so you'd think they'd be a good team. But BYU's not good, and, and they lost to BYU. So not the best start for, for Kevin Sumlin there. But these are the games I want to get to, the notable games. And we'll start with the Friday night one. Stanford... It took them, like, the entire game to wake up. They finally did. They beat San Diego State 31-10. to But it was very strange seeing a team completely bottle up Bryce Love. Bryce Love, if you didn't see, 18 carries, 29 yards. He returned when many thought he was going to go be an NFL player this year. And Stanford lost to San Diego State last year, if you remember, Mm -hmm. early in the season. And they were not playing well. In this game at halftime, they were only up nine to seven. And it took uh, it, it took them changing their game plan to from running the ball with Bryce Love to passing with KJ Costello and throwing it to uh, this guy I had never heard of before. His name is J.J. Arcega Whiteside, who had 226 yards receiving Balling. on six catches. <laughs> 37.7 uh, yard average. And he had a crazy one-handed catch as well. They changed their strategy, and it worked to win the game, but... Bryce Love needs to be running the ball better against a team like San Diego State.
1: Absolutely, you you think for a guy that's going to be up for the Heisman, uh, and if he does decide to to leave, and I think he's a senior this year, yeah, yeah. So when when he actually leaves, he will be going to the NFL. You got to play better than that, especially against a team like San Diego State. Well, we got to give San Diego State some credit as well, man. San Diego State can play like they're not a they're not a pushover team. They really have never been a pushover team. They're going to play you tough every single week. So I think that's important to say that they, they played a a really good team this past Friday. Uh,
0: USC struggled early with UNLV, your, your school. Um, They were only up 19 to 14 after the end of the third quarter and then woke up a bit and won the game 43 to 21. But USC did, was not looking good in that game. UNLV is not good. They're never good. So
1: unfortunately we are not.
0: um, So that's just keep, keep an eye on that. Remember last year, USC struggled with, I want to say it was Western Michigan. It was one of the Mac schools. They struggled with them early, and then it really didn't matter. But just keep an eye on, on USC. JT Daniels, the freshman, 22 for 35, 282 yards, only threw for one touchdown. Did not have the best quarterback rating, 63. So a little bit of a rough start for the true freshman there. And, you know, you lose Sam Darnold. You expect to take a bit, bit of a step back at the quarterback position. So I'm assuming uh, that's what happened there. I did not get to watch that game, though, so. I'm, but not, I'm not speaking from experience watching it.
1: Yeah, and it's USC, and so we assume that this kid will either get really good over the next little bit, or they've got someone in waiting that's just you know coming in soon.
0: I think this is the guy in waiting. He's just got to be good soon. Uh, the other game, we kind of already t- touched on it. UCLA fell to Cincinnati 26-17. to 17. You knew things weren't going to go great for Chip right away when they named Wilton Spate the stiff from UCLA, their starting quarter, or from uh, Michigan, who transferred, their starting quarterback Chip Kelly, who runs an explosive, fast-paced offense, named the guy who can barely move from Michigan his starter. He then got hurt after throwing for 45 yards on eight completions and an interception uh, for a whopping 11 quarterback rating. They replaced him with uh, another guy, Dorian Thompson- Robinson, who had a four quarterback rating the rest of that game. So it's going to be a rough year. Jesse said he, that it was going to be more of a rebuilding year, and well. Pretty evident. Cincinnati's not a bad team. Don't think this is a, like the worst loss of all time. Cincinnati plays well against some big teams pretty frequently, but uh, not not a great look here for,
1: for not UCLA. not the way you want to start, especially at home. You know, if you're Chip Kelly, you know I think there's still a lot of people with a whole lot of expectations, and then a lot of people, a lot of question marks, just because. Uh, It didn't end well on the professional level. Um, You didn't leave the college world on the highest note. I mean, even though you were the coach of the Oregon Ducks, but the way you left, left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouth. So I think if you're Chip Kelly, you have a whole lot to prove. And whether these are your, like Jesse alluded alluded to earlier, whether these are your guys or not, like I still think he has to go, he has a responsibility to go out there and at least win five or six games.
2: Just remember what happened to Oregon when chip came in and he had to make that transition to his guys. And they had quarterback issues. Once they lost the one guy that was, was, it was um, Thomas. Once they They lost Thomas Thomas that one, that one season. And then it was, um, oh no, it wasn't even Thomas. It was the year before it was with Dixon. When they lost Dixon, they had like Leafs brother back there. And it was just, it was Jeremiah Masoli. uh, that was the solution, I believe, the next year. And because or no, they did have Masoli. He mm-hmm. got knocked out with a concussion in the yeah. same game. That's right. So then you had to go to Leafs Brother. And you saw what a difference that made to his offense when he had a quarterback that didn't do what he wanted to do. And when you had guys that didn't do what he does as a scheme well. So I take what's gonna happen in UCLA this year with a grain of salt. We know one chip doesn't need to recruit elite players necessarily to be great because at Oregon, it's not like he was a top five recruiter in the nation. He wasn't, he he was, he, he got him into the 15s, which he should be able to do in the, at UCLA. So you're going to be able to get the talent. You're going to be able to get the guys that you want to run what chip wants to do. And I, I'm not worried. I, even though I see this as probably maybe a, five or five win season for UCLA being that they're in the South and what happened yesterday. i am still not worried as a UCLA fan, just knowing the track record of, of chip once he gets the guys. And it's not just about the guys that, that fit his scheme. It's also about the guys. He finds guys that love playing football. And, and I, I think that's a big deal. So he, he gets those gems. UCLA is going to be fine. And the final one, the big game of the weekend, Auburn, Washington, number
0: six, Washington, number nine, Auburn, the Tigers win the game over the Huskies 21-16 to thanks to a last six-minute touchdown by Auburn. It was as defensive as we thought it was going to be. It was a very, very ugly game if you're considering, I guess, style points, if you will. Um, it was a game that Washington stuck around in for a while, and they took that, that one-point lead, 16-15, near the end of the game. But the Auburn pass rush was... Holy crap, impressive at the very end of that game. Jake Browning couldn't do anything to keep, to get the Huskies back into winning position. Um, the, the question I have, and we've talked about this, is does that officially, in your opinion, make Washington no longer a contender for the college football playoff? Because I've always been of the opinion that w- one loss, although we haven't seen a two-loss team make the college football playoff yet, one loss like this against a top-10 team in week one, although it's not good, right? You Obviously, you would want, like to win the game much more. You would much prefer to win the game. It's not the end of the world because you played a tough opponent. You didn't lose badly. You lost by five. You played decent throughout most of the game. And you still have the rest of the season to go. The committee almost always remembers, what have you done for me lately, not week one, when comparing these teams. Now, it does put the pressure on UW to win the entire Pac-12 slate. Or hope that we have a year where there's more two lost teams than usual and they can maybe lose one game in the Pac-12 and still be considered. But it doesn't mean they're out of the cultural playoff picture, in my opinion. I think some other people would say it does, though.
1: No, I mean, I think it's it's a blessing in disguise that this is week one uh, because every team is really trying to figure themselves out right now. So, And you can lose to a, te- a top-10 team when you are also a top-10 team. It's not like they got blown out. They lost by five points. So I think they'll. They, it was a one-possession game, you know, really. So uh, I think because of that, UW is still going to have some life. Uh, but now, now they're really walking the plank at this point because one mistake, and it's a wrap for them. They're, 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 they're out, and Washington is the best chance for any Pac-12 school really at this point to go to the national championship or at least be a part of that four-team playoff I think USC could be one of those teams, but with the freshman quarterback who's still trying to get his footing underneath them, we don't know exactly what they're going to look like. I think UW is who we're all kind of resting our laurels on because we know that they're probably they're the most talented team in the Pac-12 right now. And so if they lose one more game, then I think we know that there's no representation from the Pac-12 in the playoff.
0: It, just, it, just, it does make it a lot harder, absolutely, for the Pac-12 to get into the college football playoff because i think it is very clear that washington is the best team in the conference by a pretty long shot too especially with jt daniels being the quarterback at usc and oregon still having some some warts to to work out and even with stanford not looking as impressive as i thought they would against san diego state it makes it a lot more difficult a lot of the text coming in on the better you today text line says that's it pac-12's out you know it's not going to happen this year not so fast it, it makes it a lot harder but it's college football crazier things have happened uh, throughout the season and this one text is is right on again better you today text line 55305 for most of the game UW outplayed Auburn they were the better team for a lot of the game they made it to the red zone five straight possessions shot themselves in the foot frequently if they get a touchdown or two on those they win the game absolutely Auburn's offense didn't have a lot going against uh, the Husky defense outside of that first score in the first quarter it was a very 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 defensive game which is what we all expected but Auburn's defense just made the impact pass rushes at the end of the game and kept Jake Browning from doing anything special. So that's just how it wrapped up. All right, we got a break coming up next. It's time for Hate It or Love It. But first, Jesse has Sports Center. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Now, music means it is time for Hate It or Love It. Let's not waste any time since we went long. For the first time, we went long last segment. That's what she said. Hopefully
2: not. Oh, oh. So is is it me now? Is it? Is it? Uh, Well. I was I was gonna say let's go to Jesse,
0: but then Rashad made it awkward because he, he threw that in so fast I was caught off guard. She said that too. That's also what she said. Oh,
2: <laughs> who's who's uh, starting today?
0: Uh that would be lynch to choose. Oh, I won last week, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Rashad's starting.
2: All right, all right, Rashad. You get to uh start today. Sweet. Uh let's see or bring up the uh list of topics that I have. Um let's You see the Broncos release packs in Lynch. I did not see that. Mm -hmm. Yay! (laughs) Uh, um, That probably also means they're bringing in a vet at the position. Would be my assumption. Um, Osweiler. No, Osweiler's (laughs) actually staying with Adam Gase in uh, in Miami. Believe it or not, Gase likes him. Somebody Um, has to. Hey, somebody's got to pay the guy. I mean, although, I mean, is Houston still paying him? Oh, probably. (laughs) Or Cleveland is, right? Right. Uh, Well, I think that was part of the... Oh, yeah, it would be Cleveland because... It was the money dump. It was the money dump. They traded a pick, basically, to get rid of that money. they write. right. All right. Uh, Moving on. Let's... uh, Okay. You tempted me into one of my topics, but I'm going to stick with what I'm going with to start out the gate because Rashad and I were so furious about well actually i'm kind of i think it's awesome what's going on in oakland but we're just so awe-inspired by how much of a 180 they're taking is like rashad said as soon as you think ohio state's like turn it around they suck you back in and they're they're crappy again so uh with that said they traded Khalil Mack to chicago now, you know, Chicago is kind of one of those teams where they've been slowly rebuilding something there. Three years ago, that team was just absolutely atrocious under John Fox. And um, I think things are looking quite a bit better under uh, Matt Nagy. Uh, with that said, they went and got uh, Khalil Mack. They actually had a pretty decent defense last year. Love or hate? With the addition of Mack, Chicago will sport a top five defense this season. Love.
1: Uh Last year, they had a top 10 defense, and it's easy not to to forget that because they are the Chicago Bears, and so you kind of forget about the fact that they can and have been playing football for the last little bit. But, you know, the Bears went from uh, really a historically terrible defense for the past couple years ago, and then last year they actually made a whole, whole lot of improvements, man. So you think you put Khalil Mack on the other side of that, they're definitely destined to win some games. You look at their schedule, and because – Uh, they're always at the bottom. They'd have uh, their schedule kind of Uh, reflects that. And so they will see the Cardinals who are still struggling this year to figure out who they are. They will see the Buccaneers who don't really know what they're doing uh, offensively or defensively. They will play the Dolphins who are the Dolphins and have no idea how to play football anymore of all the teams on their schedule. There's maybe two or two or three teams. They'll probably struggle with. And that's the Packers and the Rams outside of that. And the Vikings outside of that defensively, I think they could probably handle most of the other games they play against. If it's the bears, the question I'm always going to have is offense. Are they going to be able to put Mitchell Trubisky in a position to really be able to win so the defense doesn't have to go out there and try to save them every game? That's going to be the big question for the Bears. So as soon as Trubisky can kind of catch up offensively, I think Khalil Mack being in that locker room in Chicago, I think he's going to be huge for that city to start. I love it as well.
0: Rashad is right. I was going to bring it up. They were actually a much better defense than people thought last year. And adding Khalil Mack would just improve that even further. Uh, One of my favorite linebackers from the last 10 years, former Bronco, now on their team, Danny Trevathan, is a very, very good linebacker and a good leader in the clubhouse. Uh, They drafted Leonard Floyd with a high pick. They've got a couple of first and second rounders on there as well. Kyle Fuller, one of their cornerbacks, who they drafted high as well. Uh, They've got a bunch of talented guys on that defense who are young. And Khalil Mack is still fairly young in this league. And that's kind of a way, yes, they paid him a boatload of money, but that's a nice way for them to keep this defense strong moving forward because they've got some controllable players for a while. Um, Their offense still has question marks, right? You've still got Mitchell Trubisky. You're not fully sure what he's going to turn into as as a quarterback. You you got Jordan Howard, who is good but not great. And there's questions there. You did get Allen Robinson after his injury at, at Jacksonville. But the defense, I think, is a sure thing for Chicago. And in a division like the NFC North, where defense has always ruled supreme, but currently has a lot of explosive offenses, that might be uh, a way for you to keep in a divisional hunt because your defense can squash a bit of what Matthew Stafford and Aaron Rodgers are trying to do, in and the Vikings are trying to do in your division by being a great defensive team.
2: All right, uh, just so you know, there was I, my phone was making noise. I had to turn it on. Um, you you got a couple points there that didn't come through oh okay so just that's so you fine know. so so currently it's five four, rashad okay so did you see who the broncos added i did not kevin hogan okay <laughs> eh. Eh, i i I, I i mean i that doesn't do anything for me yeah i'm laughing at you guys not uh, right now I, I honestly it's it's the third quarterback i don't care um moving on Let's, uh, let's go stick in the Bay Area with uh, news coming out. Man, there's just been – the running back core in San Francisco has been anything but healthy so far this preseason. Matt Burita had a separated shoulder week one of the preseason. Jarek McKinnon had a bum calf for first couple of weeks, came back this last week towards ACL yesterday. Um, Alfred Morris did – Get brought in there late preseason. Showed in their um, in their third game that he still had a little bit of gas left in the tank. Love or hate, <sighs> former Kyle, uh, former Kyle Shanahan protege Alfred Morris will outtouch sophomore running back Matt Breida. Where is Alfred Morris now? Alfred Morris is in San Francisco. That's what this is all about. San oh, Francisco. Um, Thanks uh, for listening. Appreciate it. Yeah, will I'm you. sorry. <laughs>
1: um.
2: <laughs> Jeez, uh, Louise! Alfred Morris is so bad. Is um, he, or has he been just kind of buried?
1: I don't, I don't know if he's been buried. I don't know, man. I don't know how to answer this. Uh, I. Uh,
2: All right, the clock's running now. Okay. I, I gave you some time. I, I, okay. Well, I will go ahead
1: and love it. I mean, honestly, I don't really. No, I hate it, man. <laughs> honestly, Alfred Morris hasn't really been good since, what, 2013, 2014, somewhere around there. So he's been the, you know, he's been pretty mediocre. He had 14 games last year that he played with uh, the Cowboys, and he had a total of 547 yards. Uh, he played in 14 games the year prior and had 243 yards. He's not, he hasn't been super productive again. He had those three really good years uh, at the start of his career, but since then he's been you know, uh, average at best. We still know that they have some offensive line issues uh, in San Francisco, and because of that, I think you would go ahead and uh, roll the dice with uh, with Brita at this point. I mean, I think he's going to give you a little bit more than Alfred Morris is, is able to give you. Brita is still somebody that's he's only in his second year. Uh, he's you know he had about 400 little 400 yards last year, so he could be somebody that can still make things happen for you, but. Uh, honestly, you have a problem with your running game, but because Alfred Morris is your backup, Brita is going to get a lot of, lot of touches.
0: Uh, it's the wrong decision, but I love it. I think Matt Brita needs to be the starting running back. He, he showed flashes last year of being an impressive guy uh, when he came in after the Carlos Hyde injuries and, and, and him not performing super well. He played pretty well with Jimmy Garoppolo the last few weeks of the season as well. But think about it this way. Who is a bell cow that, you know, is a bell cow in the NFL, it's Alfred Morris. He might not be very good, He might not not have been good for a couple of years, but he is a guy who can give you 20 carries a game, even if it's only for 60 yards or 70 yards and not much uh, average yards per carry. I think Breida should be the guy, but I just feel like Alfred Morris is going to get the job early to do it just because he's got the history of doing it where Breida was super inconsistent last year uh, despite having a couple of good weeks at the end of the season. I really think that the, the Niners need to look into acquiring a guy who gets cut or trading for somebody who's a good pass catcher because Jarek McKinnon was one of my favorite running backs last year in, in Minnesota he was amazing after the injury to Dalvin Cook being a great pass catcher being a guy who almost always was an impact player on that field I thought he was going to be great as a, as a starter for San Francisco this year they need somebody like that again because I think that's important for a Kyle Shanahan offense
2: alright y'all are tied sweet that's uh, always great uh, let's see here. We're going back. We're going back to Denver. I, I got this on here just because when I mentioned this, you just gave me this like interesting look through the glass earlier about Chad Kelly. Mm. Mm, yeah. Uh, so Chad Kelly. Oh, so I think Rashad and I have actually had this conversation as well. I've kind of attested. I think Chad Kelly is basically Baker Mayfield, except he came into the draft with a bum shoulder and a bum knee that meant he wasn't going to play at all his rookie season. He has the same type of off-the-field issues, and if you look at it, he's the same type of winner um, on the field. Probably didn't have quite as much success in college, but I don't know if he had as much talent around him. With that said, the Broncos brought in Case Keenum in the offseason. We just dumped Paxton Lynch. Case Keenum has a two-year deal, uh, and I believe it's pretty much front-loaded, so they can drop him next year. Lover, hey! In two seasons, Chad Kelly will be Denver's starting quarterback with Case Keenum's contract up.
1: Uh, love. Uh, mind you, I don't. I didn't watch a whole lot of Ole Miss football, so I can't tell you about exactly, you know, what his strengths and what what his weaknesses are. But what I can tell you is, I think Case Keenum had a great year last year with a really talented offense and a really talented defense. Everything just kind of came together for the Minnesota Vikings and put him in a position to really be the catalyst for all of that change. you know. But at the same time, if you remember how disappointed the Vikings were when Teddy Bridgewater went down because they knew they had something special and they knew that they all they needed was a quarterback to not make mistakes and they can kind of keep things afloat. Things are going to be a little different for Case Keenum here in in Denver. Like, here he's going to actually have to make a lot of great throws because he's got a couple of stud receivers that really need to have the ball in their hands to do what they're able to do. He has a defense, much like he had in uh, Minnesota, that's going to be able to bail him out of a lot of situations. But I think in doing so, man, I think they're only setting the table for somebody like Chad Kelly. I think it's safe to say that um, who was uh, Paxton Lynch, who was released today, Yeah. So Paxton Lynch isn't going to be the guy. And we know that now Um, we know that Elway is thinking long-term and they want to have their guy. He wants to be able to say he drafted a guy that was able to come in and really change the franchise and move him forward. And I think Kelly could be that guy. Part of me wants to say hate on this, but
0: I think the answer is truly love. And the reason why is that Chad Kelly was Mr. Irrelevant. He was the last pick of the draft by the Broncos years ago, a couple of years ago. Out of ole miss and as a seventh round pick he has been able to outlast brock osweiler trevor simeon paxton lynch um and has been able to keep himself in a job and when many teams don't keep three quarterbacks he's been able to keep himself on the team because he's performed well enough and to actually finally pass to be the backup quarterback this year with some pretty solid preseason performances this year case keenum is a veteran case keenum is not an electric quarterback he is a safe quarterback he is good enough for now for denver but i think jesse's right in two years they're not going to re-sign case keenum Mm-mm. and i think that chad kelly if he's still on the team and he should be is going to be given the opportunity because of how hard he has worked and how much he has shown how much growth he has shown to be able to be the starting quarterback remember they said when in that draft when he was in there that this was gonna be a huge risk take because he had all the potential, but he never was able to fully harness it together at Ole Miss. He had some issues off the field at Ole Miss as well, but the the fact that he was there uh, in the seventh round and they took him, I thought was a really, really smart move. And I think they will afford him the chance to start. The only thing that'll throw a wrench in that plan, we know John Elway likes to trade for quarterbacks. And if there's a guy who's on the block who's good, I could see him making a trade for a big veteran guy after Case Kingdom's contract is up. Um, however, I would like to see them give Chad Kelly a chance, and I think they will. So love.
2: Uh, I I I was kind of surprised when you told me who they added. It was uh what Kevin Or's Hogan. H- Kevin Hogan. Yeah, no, that's not somebody that scares me to fend off Chad Kelly. Um, uh, honestly, I, I I think he's the guy. I think that guy's going to be the guy. Might be. He, he he he's uh, done everything that they've asked. I think everybody's been by far impressed with the fact that he's kept his nose clean. Um, and he shows up. He's outworked guys like Lynch. Um, he has way more motivation than some of those other guys. It's it's that it's the little things, right? It's the little things the that little get things. you there. Being a seventh round pick, you got to do them. All right, the winner today. Mike. Back to back, huh? Got the W. Hmm.
0: Mm. Rashad, you made a mistake. Last week, you let me go second.
1: Uh-huh. Well, it is what it is. <laughs> you know, players mess up. It's okay.
0: All right, coming up next, we don't have a lot of time at all, so uh, we'll just do a very, very quick uh, tell you what's going on Seahawks segment-wise, and then uh, we got to go. So that's next here on The Fan. Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 the fan. I really don't have any time, but I'm going to be very brief with this. We are beginning our Seahawks schedule fluctuations based on when the Seahawks games are. So I want to give you a heads up going into the season. What's going to happen week one next week. We're on at a normal time, nine to 11 week two. We are most likely on eight till nine 30. We have a Monday night game, which means we put an early NFL game on that day. So week two will be on eight to nine 30. And then the next three weeks we are on nine to 11. There you go. That's the beginning of the season, nine to 11 weeks, one, three, four, and five, eight to nine 30 week two, unless something changed and I did not hear about it. So that is our early season Seahawks schedule, mostly the same time. So in our nine to 11, if you have fantasy football questions, it's going to be from nine 30 to nine 45 in that range. We're going to do all our answers. Get your questions in then. If it's the 8 to 9:30 show, we usually do it around 8:45 ish. It just kind of flows, depends on where it goes. So that's uh, just a general idea. If you're going to have questions about who to start and sit in your fantasy team, that's going to be when it is. So we'll see you next week, 9 to 11. Thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Love you all, and have a great Labor Day weekend. Remember, we're on the air tomorrow. Full shows talking about Oregon, Oregon State, Pac-12, all that stuff all day tomorrow on the fan. So you'll be able to hear us if you're working or driving around. And uh, we'll see you next week.
2: One's for
1: Pat. Ow.